Alright, this is the Canby Christian Church Podcast, and this is an on-Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church get together and talk about what happened on Sunday. I'm excited for this episode because I don't know what happened on <laughs> Sunday because I wasn't around. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. I am Rob. And we are the pastors of the church, and we're going to talk about what happened on Sunday mm. because this is an on-Sunday episode like I already said. But I was at a retreat, so I'll have to ask these guys... Aaron, how, how was Sunday? Well, you could always watch online, which I'm assuming you will, except our audio kind of went down at the yeah, end. Yeah, that, that's, that's problematic this week. Oh, my See, goodness. Cody, you didn't show up, and we just Everything fell apart. fell apart, basically. <laughs> no one would know that who came on Sunday. No one would know that. That's the beauty of yeah. uh, the way, anyway, the way Sunday happened. God. Yeah. Is uh, yeah the way God works, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, but <laughs> but before service started, everything was falling apart, and we were wondering if uh, we were going to be able to put the dumpster fire out <laughs> before <laughs> the bells started ringing at nine o'clock in the morning, uh, saying that church is starting. But yeah, there were a lot of technical difficulties, lights not working, keyboards not working, and uh, all that other stuff. But you know, and not having phones. the right verse in, and it's like, <laughs> where is Cody? <laughs> <laughs> when we need him, that, but that's this is of course why it happened though. Job security, right? Yeah. If I'm not there, everything will fall apart. And so and it was like, intentional. Cody of course, it was intentional. Does, yeah. I feel like the exact opposite is true in a church, though, right? If totally. you like can actually train people to do stuff, you're so valuable. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> if you can leave and everything still works, then yeah. Well, I didn't say you're not important. I got to. I got to work. I'm just on saying it. you're not a good leader. I a good. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta work on it. Or I got good, some. I have flaws in my game. I'm, I'm not oh, too proud dude, to admit it. Of course, it. everybody does, and we're here to show grace. Uh, just don't ever do that to us again. <laughs> ever. Nice. I'm just kidding. Just not soon. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, how about you? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was a good week. Pretty, pretty normal week. I mean, something kind of horrible happened. Not that horrible. I don't know. A few days ago, actually, I think it was Saturday. My daughter discovered her love for, uh, like, cherry tomatoes. I thought it was Sunday afternoon. No, it was Saturday. Because <clears throat> Sunday, we, you know... Anyway, Saturday afternoon, I think it was. I thought yeah, it was that was Sunday. when you texted us you about texted us the, the allergy reaction yeah, was so Sunday. She was eating these, loving them, and then just had this horrible allergic reaction. And so she's probably allergic to all tomatoes? Is I that kind of know, her first like, tomato experience? or? Uh, no, she's had, like, spaghetti... And stuff. So I think what they said was the the seeds. Sometimes people are uh, allergic to the seeds, not mm. to the actual like tomato part. Mm. And most paste will remove the seeds, and then interesting. So like, yeah, like spaghetti is probably fine. But the doctor said to take all tomatoes out and then introduce like spaghetti sauce at some point to see. But she broke out in hives all over her body, and she's. <clears throat> it was just not, you know, really cranky, and at first we weren't sure what it was, so we took her into the the doctor, and so she's at home today. But um, but yeah, that was kind of a a bummer that happened. But um, also this weekend we went up to Portland for mm-hmm. Nine Marks Conference yeah. Northwest, which was awesome. Um, one of the best things, honestly, and I think I said this during the Simeon Trust thing, which ha- it was at the same location at Henson Church there in the city um, is just getting to connect with other local church leaders, the pastors Mm -hmm. and um, deacons and lay elders. There's a bunch of different people from all over the place. There's people from Idaho and Washington, a bunch of different states, a bunch of different churches, even different, you know, denominations and stuff like that. So 
I just think that alone is one of the greatest, you know, benefits of having these types of events because you're able to see the unity that does exist among the church mm-hmm. and talk about and learn from these, uh, you know, good Bible teachers <clears throat> and expositors, expositors about important topics. In this case, it was on the it, conversion, the importance of conversion. What is conversion? How should we emphasize it or think about it in our churches? Mm-hmm. So it was a really good time. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It is. It is good to connect. One of one of the guys who spoke to his name is Mike McKinley, and he lives in Virginia, like forty minutes outside of Washington D.C. And uh, Rob and I, we have a mutual friend there, uh, Daniel Eichelberger, who is also about thirty minutes outside the city, mm-hmm. and they're they're close. And uh, so anyway, it's sort of a small world, right? This guy Mike is close with a guy that we knew and used to work with. Uh, named Daniel. And so we chatted, I chatted with him about our, our mutual friend, Daniel, but he's just a great communicator, Mm -hmm. just great personality. And I, I love listening to him. He's got that really down to earth humor about him. He kind of makes light about whatever he's talking about. So anyway, he's, he's a really uh, good dude. I was happy to connect with him again. Um, and, and the singing, I would say you would agree with that too. Oh yeah. What for, when you get a bunch of pastors, elders, deacons, uh, really serious church members going <laughs> right. to a conference on the subject of conversion, <laughs> you know, you're going to have people who know the songs and sing, you know, from their gut, <laughs> yeah. you know, 400, 350 people in a room. And uh, you know, I think me, go, us going to a church that was more concert-y, where you have the the professionals up on the stage singing and the congregation just kind of sings lightly and claps uh, along. And then going to something like that where you've got one guy on an acoustic guitar and half the time he's not even playing it, he's just singing into the microphone and really what you're hearing is everyone in the the congregation, in the the seats, singing (laughs) as loud as possible. It's a completely different uh, experience and something that... Uh, I feel like we have a church that sings pretty loud, and I would like to see that cultivated even more. Um, but seeing that uh, that happening there, you know, it's always a cool, cool experience when you. I mean, it moves you emotionally, and uh, when you hear uh, the church, um, you know, people singing like that together. And we all go to different churches, and yet for some reason, these songs unite us together with one voice, and mm-hmm. that's kind of a cool experience too. Um, but yeah, the I mean the Nine Marks Conference comes out of that Nine Marks ministry that is designed to help build healthy churches. Mm-hmm. And anyway, these nine themes or topics that are brought up, you know, as nine marks that you'll find in a healthy church in regard to their biblical view and practice of them. Um, anyway, each conference looks at a different theme, and so this was one of them on. Uh, what does the Bible say about what is true conversion? Mm. Is it, you know, I got baptized when I was a kid and now I'm converted. Is it, uh, I'm, I made a mental decision to follow Jesus, therefore I'm converted. Is it like, you know, I used to be a Democrat, now I'm a Republican, you know, conversion? No, it's not anything like that, right? I it's it's something that God does yeah. in, in us and we respond to that by faith and repentance and a life of discipleship and those kinds of things. But anyway, it was a, it was a, a good time. But I'm tired because hmm. yeah. you're out late <clears throat> and you get up early, drive up to the city, 
then I had to come home and Saturday night finish a sermon up and then wake (laughs) up early again and fill in for you, Cody, and uh, lead worship and do it all. You know, I appreciate it. I know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. But your retreat went good? Yeah. Oh, man, it went awesome. I mean, the same kind of thing that, you know, you get, you pack a room full of people yeah. and they're the, you know, the most dedicated people at their churches who right. want to, you know, go on mission trips to serve God. And yeah. uh, and so the singing's yeah. awesome, you know. So we, uh, yeah, we got down there Friday night and uh, and I led worship <laughs> for it along with Sean and uh, a gal I grew up uh, in church with from Vancouver. Um, and so we had a Friday night um session and then there was a another one Saturday morning um and then a Saturday evening session where Emily shared um you know taught out of uh uh first Corinthians about uh um about unity which was cool all the parts of the body how they come together and how much that's needed you know that's the theme of the weekend um but also I was really proud of our students I kept getting comments from uh, other church leaders that like, man, these kids from Canby work really hard, <laughs> which cool. was cool. We chopped cords on cords of firewood and, uh, you know, mixed and laid concrete and built a new fence. And, uh, uh, Connor Herring, it was kind of funny. His group, uh, they were, uh, Wynema, I don't know why they ever had it, but they had these big white PVC pipes that they filled with concrete as like posts in the ground, different places. Mm. And uh, his group, they somebody uh, tied a tr- uh, an old rubber tire to the front of this golf cart, and they just rammed these posts over and over until they were loose. And then Connor Herring just gripped them and pulled them out of the ground. If you know Connor at all, he's like freakishly strong for oh, no reason. Really? Yeah, so they just rammed it with a golf cart till it was loose, and then Connor pulled all of them out. That's you know? hilarious. <laughs> So that was pretty funny. But I was saying the cool thing was we were bringing with us this year the uh, the youngest girl on the trip and uh, this gal who uh, is 93 years old who's been going to Haiti and Mexico um, and, and a lot of her own travels outside of uh, what Go Inc. does. Um, she's officially retiring from going and building houses in Mexico. And so she passed down. Uh, the tools, her bag of personal tools that she would use to build houses uh, to the the girl from our church, Jazzy, uh, who is the, the youngest. So the oldest person gave it gave her tools on to the youngest person so they'd keep getting used, which was kind of a, a cool moment. That was that is cool. Yeah, that's well, really I'm cool. sure we'll share pictures and stuff on our on our <coughs> Instagram page and you'll see our kids working hard and serving in the kitchen. And they, they just like they jumped in. They were awesome. Mm. Uh, so we were really proud and they represented us well among these groups of other churches. Very cool. How many other churches were there? Oh, man, at the retreat? I'm not sure. I mean, maybe six. Oh. Something like that. And is that about how many are going on the trip itself? Uh, So uh, there'd be, I think there's two or three more. So the the churches that go with us from Utah and Colorado, Mm, like they obviously didn't fly in for a weekend. That'd be kind of ridiculous to ask them to do, you know? Um, but yeah, so they'll be on the trip. So I think it's going to be like 75 ish people, something like that That's pretty on, good. The, on the actual trip. <clears throat> wow. pretty good. Yeah. It's more than they're expecting. I mean, this trip has had like 400 people on it in, wow. in the past, but like, you know, it's that number had been dwindling already. And then you take two years off and it's really hard to get people to 
get excited about it again, you know, especially because it's for teens. Yeah. You take two years off and all the kids, I mean, we don't have a single student in our ministry that's ever been on the trip, you know, because wow. you take two years off, kids graduate and now, you you know, you don't have all the same, uh, the same momentum you yeah. used to have, but we're excited and I think we'll gain some momentum and I think kids are going to be excited to uh, do some of these short-term mission trips in the future. Yeah, that's really cool. And we have a fundraiser. We got up. a fundraiser <clears throat> this weekend, which was kind of crazy, but that was the weekend it fit. <laughs> we yep. were trying to pick one. We didn't want to do it that early on the heels of the <clears throat> retreat, but that's the way it worked out. But, yeah, come uh, come by, uh, you know, one man's junk. <laughs> yep, it's <laughs> come, another man's come, treasure. <laughs> come come by it this weekend, uh, and that'll be a cool fundraiser. You know, for a us. lot of people are asking me, where is it? Because it's, it's right here. A, it's right it's here. in the building. Which, it's right here at the church. I guess because well, people are wondering about weather, and yeah. I'm like, Oh, well, it's not in our parking lot. It's in the building. No, it's yeah, here. it'll be yeah. in the building. We'll turn the church into a, a marketplace. Yep, yep. <laughs> hmm. Well, it's, it's, not for their, it's not for their worship, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it, though. It probably won't be problematic. No, it'll be, it'll be fine. <laughs> it probably won't be. Okay, good to know. Yeah, oh, just fine. kidding. We'll flip the tables at the end, and then it'll turn <laughs> then back it'll into a church. As long as we have the table-flipping <laughs> gesture. Yeah, then it'll, it'll be, be back good. to normal by Sunday. <laughs> but if you have things to donate, you can call Cody directly at... No, <laughs> Here's his phone number. <laughs> Email us, office at canbychristian.org. Yeah. Let us know. We'll pick up your stuff. Well, hopefully you can bring it, but <clears throat> you're going to be doing that, right, this week a little bit? What? Picking stuff up and... Oh, yeah. Yep, definitely. Yeah, we need to plan that yeah we got a crew i mean we got a crew of uh 11, 11 people and teenagers that want to earn their earn their donations so yeah if they want to go we'll put them to work they gotta they gotta do the work yeah it was it was an interesting interesting sunday though mm. um i don't like i used to lead worship a lot and i i enjoy it um i enjoyed it when i used to do it a lot i but i kind of felt more the like at my last church they had this weird sort of culture where you were either one or the other. You were either a worship leader slash musician or you were a pastor. And it, it was almost like the worship leaders were just kind of there to support the pastors in preaching. And I, I don't know, I just have a different philosophy about those things. But it, a while ago, I just had to kind of make more of a choice of what am I going to give myself more toward. And uh, you know, preaching and pastoring was something I felt more called to do, but I, I did really enjoy, um, learning to play the guitar and learning to play worship songs yeah. and leading people. And it was cool when, uh, when you said, Hey, I, I'm going to be gone. And I, I said, I'd fill in. I started thinking about some songs to do. And, and then we did this new song, behold him, yeah. uh, that I had kind of found. And as I was just researching around and, I like I was super ministered to by that song and uh, just reminded me how much I used to enjoy uh, leading worship back in the day and and how much I've lost my calluses on my fingers <laughs> and some of the chops and things like that. But um, it's it's cool to, you know, sing and sort of fill into that role a little bit. Um, I actually think to some degree it helps uh like I think for you, like when you step up to preach, mm -hmm. like I think it actually enforces your preaching because you're a worshiper too. Mm. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, me sitting up front, you know, like I want to be there in the worship every week because I'm a worshiper too, not just the preacher guy, you know? 
and uh, so I think not only like my preaching, but like preaching sort of makes me like a better worship leader, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that sense. So I think both kind of help each other. They don't actually like con- contradict the other one or make the other one sort of less. I think it actually bolsters uh, each one, whatever one you're doing more often. But anyway, I thought it was it was cool. But it, it's always a fun ex- experiment or experience when because I do it so rarely. What I mean, the last time I did it was maybe a year ago or something. I can't yeah, even remember. It's been a while. Yeah. And uh, there's so many new people. Was it on video? Was it like when we were videoing? Was that the last time? I think I did it maybe since we've gathered again. Okay. Um, but maybe not. It's I mean, been in, a while. In, in that sure. case, it's been almost two years. But uh, it's it's funny because people who know me, you know, have no idea that like I can at least play the guitar or whatever, you know. You and, do a good job. <laughs> You know, I don't know. It's just it's just funny trying to be humble because then people it. are like, whoa, what the heck? I didn't know you could play. That's weird. I'm like, yep, it is weird, huh? It's like that thing. Like, what's the one thing people like don't know about you that would be surprising or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, I love <clears throat> the passage, too. This was a really cool theme getting into those gray matters of Christian liberty and thinking because they're they're the things that that is christians fight over so passionately when it when we to some degree ought not to again they're like it's not that they're not important and and in some way reflect or show light on who that person is and what their experiences are um but yet people quarrel over these as paul says here as for the one who is weak in faith this is verse one I'm jumping right into it, Cody. I'm sorry. No, I'm good with that. As I'm, for the I'm one bringing it up so I can read along. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but to not to quarrel over opinions. And I love that that word is is there because this is not convictions like first tier issues, right? Mm-hmm. These are opinions. I I have the, I hold to this opinion that's not necessarily saying that's gospel truth. It's just my perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people have a lot of opinions about a lot of different things. <clears throat> and and you're going to have that in any gathering of people, which, of course, we know also in a church, we're going to have different opinions on things mm. and perspectives and things like that. Um, but anyway, I thought it was a cool, a really cool subject. And I'm, I'm excited to explore it for three weeks in Romans. <laughs> um, yeah. Because I and- think it is important. And this it also in that section, obviously, it says that God has welcomed them both, right? Yeah, and you made yeah. this point in your sermon that this needs to be understood, that these are both, you know, equally legitimate brothers and sisters in Christ who have differences of opinion. That's yeah, what's yeah, in yeah. view. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But yeah. And I think that that historical context, <clears throat> I, I brought this up, Cody, of like, these are, these are I, the point I made was who are these weak people? Mm-hmm. Are they like the the Gentile ex-idolaters that he talks about in 1 Corinthians? Because um, it's a very parallel passage. Is it like vegans? <laughs> you know, people who just like mm-hmm. don't yeah. want to eat meat because they're like animal lovers. Uh, and they just feel like, wow, I, I, I really just want to be a good uh, creation care person by overseeing the animals that God has given to me. So I'm only going to eat plants like just ascetic people where they just abstain from things because their conscience won't let them do it. Are they legalistic Judaizers? People who think 
unless you become a Jew first, you cannot also be saved, even if you believe in Jesus, like Paul talks, or like it shows up in Acts 15 and in Galatians. Um, and, and the context sort of makes clear that couldn't be the case because Paul would not have said to welcome those people because right. they're, mm-hmm. uh, that's a first tier issue. They're adding to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the same would be the case if you said, you know, you have to be baptized in order to be saved, right? That, that would be a first tier issue. A second tier issue would be mode and method of baptism, right? So should we sprinkle? Uh, do we fully dip? D- does, do you have to fully baptize someone in a church building or can it also be in a river? Um, should I get rebaptized? You know, all those like thoughts about baptism. Yeah. Or should but it if, only be in a river? I know people who have right. been like, it needs to be living water or whatever that means. Living water flowing. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, or can only a pastor, you know, baptize you or, or only a man baptize you or what mm. is that? Anyway, those kinds of questions that people if have. If your hand was out. Yeah. It, are you, you was it illegitimate? Um, full submersion. Yeah. Can <laughs> immersion. Can you take communion with a Twinkie and, uh, and a cup of chocolate milk? <laughs> Oof. Uh, you know these these are the kinds of questions people ask. Dude, Wait, by how? the way, we took communion on the uh, we took communion on this retreat, and they had all the ones that are prepackaged. Oh yeah, dude, gross. It, well, it's gross, but it's also incredibly distracting. It's like yeah. we're gonna take the bread, and then it's like, it's like everyone. Every, yes, exactly. For like the longest time, like really reflect, and now take the cup, really reflect, and it's just. <laughs> like all at the same time, fifty-five people going. <laughs> That's it's just awesome. like the most distracting thing. I'm so glad mm. we don't do the prepackage. Yeah, but these, but I, I talked about from the context that these are more than likely Jewish Christians, yeah. people who had converted from Judaism, legalistic, traditional um, faith to now faith in Christ, um, but they're having struggle coming over uh, or letting go of some of those, that cultural baggage. I, I listened to a sermon from this guy that I often listen to, Sinclair Ferguson. He's Scottish. And he was talking about how he went as an illustration. Can you do an impression? This is why I listen to Sinclair Ferguson <clears throat> because I, there's no way I could imitate this guy's accent. <laughs> it's, you know how when you listen to somebody, yeah. you start to sound like them and I, I intentionally listen to him because I know I would never sound like him. You'll never accidentally preach like him? No. <laughs> Sometimes, though, on my own, I read. With him, my, my inner voice is his, <laughs> his, his inner voice. Um, but he, uh, he was talking about how he went to dinner after a conference late one night. I think he was talking about a Denny's because he said it was like one of those 24-hour diner kind of things. I'm like, oh, he went to a Denny's. And but he was sitting down with another Scottish guy uh, named Alistair Begg. He's kind of a well-known yeah. guy. I was gonna mention him because he's the guy that I think of with that voice that oh, just yeah. sticks in your head. Totally great, great Bible teachers, both of them. Yes. Well, and great names. <laughs> yeah, Alistair Sinclair. Their, their names fit their voices for sure. But he uh, <laughs> he was saying how they went, and Sinclair was like, "Alistair, look, they're serving oatmeal." And we can get it with sugar and all this stuff, you know? Because he was saying in Scotland, <laughs> they don't eat oatmeal or porridge with, as they were calling it, with sugar. Mm. They they eat it with salt. 
And okay. I'm like, this is disgusting. I can't even dish. believe he's having this conversation. And he, but he was saying that when he was a little kid, he, mom, can we have sugar? And she was like, no way. You cannot have sugar. And then he, he said on the fourth time, he asked this one day, and she said, absolutely not, because that's how the Brits eat their oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, so I'm eating it and we get it with our sh- with sugar. Like and they're the old men, they're old men and like they're old they're they're still feeling and hearing their mother's voices yeah. saying, "Heck no, we're Scottish. That's how the Brits eat it and we're not doing it that yeah. way, you know?" But he was just talking about the the power of cultural practice. And and the reasons why those things are and and yeah. how when you you know, when you're raised uh, in the Jewish tradition and faith, you know, not eating certain things or celebrating certain holidays. I mean, th- when you practice that your whole life and there's uh, beliefs behind those things and meaning, substantive <clears throat> meaning, it's hard to let those things go. And and so anyway, it, it makes sense why he would bring that in here, but bringing that into a more relevant conversation for us, right? Because we don't have, you know, Jewish people walking in here every day. But people come from church traditions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that are radically different from art. Like we had a guy this last week from an apostolic faith Mm -hmm. church, and Mm -hmm. they are very different. And and they walk in, and it's like, we're not going to immediately quarrel with them Right. Or even really get into the discussion. You know, we'll just say, hey, sir, you know, very happy that you're here. Um, if you ever have any questions, let us know. And uh, we're, we're glad you showed up. We hope that we, you know, the service ministered to you and that, you know, God spoke to you and uh, that the worship was encouraging to you. And and I mean, that's that's the way we yeah. want to be in, in the beginning. And, and, you know, the first time you meet somebody yeah. and well, and oftentimes <clears throat> you have to feel that out a little bit because like, like we've, we've studied, you know, church history, although I don't remember as much of the, you know, little details between de- denominations as I'd like to, but I know you guys remember more of them often, but often when you meet someone and they say, Oh, I'm this, you start going through the category. Okay. Yes. Here's where we differ. But they don't actually know any of yeah, that. Totally <laughs> and it's agree. not until you like really meet with them. Sometimes they know all of it. Mm-hmm. And then you have stuff to talk about. You know, yep. they might have really but oftentimes it's like, I don't know, I just went to church as a kid and they read the Bible and I didn't realize, mm-hmm. you know. And so you don't yeah, almost you don't yeah. even need to like address the differences. Right, right. You just need to do good Bible teaching and they'll see what they need to see from the Bible, you know. Right. Yeah, like like a Lutheran, right? Like somebody who was baptized as a child in the Lutheran tradition, um, you know, they probably are like, oh, yeah, no, I was raised Christian, and, you know, my parents raised me to know Jesus, and they baptized me when I was a kid, and and then you move on. And then and they probably have no idea that the Lutheran church teaches that, that they believe that that baptism was necessary in order for them to be a Christian, mm-hmm. right? They, they, the term is baptismal regeneration. Uh, that act actually allows God to regenerate your soul and as, as if God needs a human act to regenerate or convert a soul, right? And so we would utterly reject that teaching of baptismal regeneration. Going from the Bible, ba- uh, salvation and conversion is by grace through faith, not of works, not even water baptism, right? Right. We see it as a sign. So 
yeah, you get a Lutheran come in, they say that, and we just jump in and immediately ask, are, well, have you been baptized as an adult believer? You know, it's like, dude, I just met you. You know, you don't, <laughs> I don't know anything about you or what you think. And anyway, so I think it's good to think about that. Like people come into our church all the time with different traditional understandings, or maybe they're not even from a church. Maybe they're utterly unchurched, but they have that tradition, right? Like mm-hmm. they lived with in the world and they've been catechized by the world's messaging and uh, they believe in evolution or they believe in all of these things. It's like, but yet yet maybe they just came to Christ or maybe they really are thinking about coming to Christ. As Paul would say here, as that person is weak in faith, they have faith, but welcome that person. And we're not going to immediately quarrel over uh, opinions. Um, it, It also made me think like, so he goes on, one person believes he may eat anything. So he jumps right into the diet situation as an example. And not, not just as an example, as a relevant issue for him in his day, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, let not the one who eats, so the person who has a stronger conscience and says like, oh yeah, I can participate in this, this is fine. Despise the one who abstains. So look down on them, right? And think, man... I can't believe you still think that what an immature, you you know, you need to come into the light and finally figure out it's okay for you to eat this food. And I, 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 if I could be critical for a moment, there was a, there was a church that I used to know back home in Southern California where a lot of them held to the same theological persuasion and if, if someone came to their church without that same theological persuasion, which I would categorize as a third tier issue, it was almost as if you felt like you couldn't belong there or as mm. if like you weren't like as enlightened as they were about mm-hmm. like that theological uh, position or understanding. And they, yeah, you felt like you were looked down on as if you were an idiot or something. And, mm. and guess what? You just don't come back. Right. Because you feel like, man, unless I like wear tweed jackets (laughs) and wear hipster glasses and comb my hair to the side and read the Puritans, you know, a Puritan book every week, like I don't belong there, you know, and uh, ain't nothing wrong with the Puritans or tweed jackets. But if if I don't look like that or act like that or if I um, am okay with reading other things, then all of a sudden that makes me less of a Christian. And it's that sort of culture that Paul is trying to say, like, you should not have that culture. Yeah. My sister had it with a church she was going to that made it, like, really obvious that you should be homeschooling your kids. Yeah. And if you're not, like, you don't really belong at this church. Like, this is the obvious choice everyone should make. And, you know, it's brought up every Sunday. And, like, and she was just like, I guess because I let my kid go to, you know, a public school or she was going to, like, a special art school. Uh, you know, that I, I don't belong in this church and like literally felt she didn't belong in the church and left it, you know? Yeah, 100%. And I mean, that that's a great point to make. And I did mention uh, that people have difference of opinions and all I said was on the way they educate their kids. Yeah, right. That's a common one too. Yeah, that, no, yeah, that's huge. And we want to be a church that supports all three classic, you know, homeschool, private school, public school. Yeah. But I mean, Michelle and I, we chose to public school our kids, at least at this juncture, right? When my kids get into middle school, it may be a different situation, you know? 
uh, I have girls, and I remember yeah. middle school, public school. It was horrendous. Right. Mine are going to an all-girl private school. Yeah. As teenagers, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But right now in kindergarten, first grade, it's not that big a deal, you know? But, I yeah, I we just have different – we are taking a different approach for – well, not it's not different. Lots of people are doing it, but we're taking an approach for how we are going to disciple and educate our kids by allowing them this path in public school. Now, if we go down the road and things start getting ridiculous and we feel like discipleship and education isn't working, then we'll make some adjustments. Um, but right now it's working just fine. And, uh, and, and we're going that direction. Um, but yeah, that's definitely one of those things where, you know, a pastor or pastors or maybe even written in their website or something, they may say, hey, we advocate homeschooling. Everybody should get their kid out of public school or not in private Christian school. And Or there may be some, they really support private Christian school. And they're like, hey, everybody should send their kid to, to school here. And Or maybe a pastor might get up there and say, hey, you're not missional enough. You're not missional parenting. If you're not sending your kid to a public school, you're just coddling them or isolating them. I, I, all of those things create bad cultures and isolate one group who may feel like, actually, this is best for my family. Um, like the, the Leishners here, Dan, Dan and Dana, they homeschool their kids, and, and yet they're insanely involved in this church, and they fully support anyone who makes the choice to private school or public school their kid. Um, for them and their family dynamic, they love doing homeschooling mm -hmm. and Dana is a rock star at it. And, you know, maybe she probably should be doing that, you know, and, and, and well, in fact, I would say she should be because she's gifted <laughs> at it and doing it. Mm -hmm. But I love them because they don't judge others for not doing the way that they're doing it, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and, and they don't despise those who aren't. And I feel like that's obviously that's what he's getting at in this passage of scripture is do you, are, do you want to be homogenous? Like, do you only want one kind of person in your church or, or are you welcoming to all kinds of Christian believers, yeah. uh, young in their faith, shallow in their faith, um, who need to be discipled and, and grow yeah. at, at, at my last, our mine and Rob's last church was, you know, thousands and thousands of people. And they, they make the joke, you know, it's a, a mile wide and an inch deep. And so you've got a lot of two-year-old Christians. Mm. And what I mean by that is they probably have been a Christian for 10 years, but they only matured to the level of a two-year-old mm. Christian um, because discipleship was lacking and all these other things because they're more about reaching people in, giving them the gospel. They convert, but they're so they're weak in faith and they're not being discipled and growing and maturing in, in that way. Um, they're malnourished uh, spiritually. Um, but then they might end up at another church, and that other church is sort of looks down on them like, oh, yeah, the only reason why you're that way is because, you know, they don't disciple you like we will. We'll disciple. And it's like, why are you being disdainful toward that other church? Like they just won all these people over to Christ, and now you get to disciple them, but you don't need to look down on that other church for what they're doing, you know? <clears throat> so anyway, it's just it's more about our attitude. Um and and I, f I feel like there was a, it's a great posture and way to approach the situation that Paul does here uh, in Romans and is definitely relevant for us too. 
Yeah, so you mentioned there's two sort of groups. There's the legalistic mm. group, which most people know what that means. Someone who essentially says your works, your actions are what earns your favor before God. <clears throat> yeah, whether that's like saving favor, which would obviously be a first tier issue and then mm. be a problem, or like relational favor, right? Like you're just a better Christian because you do these things. Uh, and, right. and that would also be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and then on the other side, there's licentious people. Yeah, and your, you your use favorite that word. Well, licentious, licentious. <laughs> it, it's a fun word to say, sort of. But what the heck does it mean, Pastor? Uh, licentious uh, is basically license, That's right? Root, yeah. So you have the license to do something, the the freedom to do something, but licentiousness is more of a derogatory word for that like it has a more of a derogatory connotation uh do you need me to find derogatory as well or i'm just kidding um wow we're talking about disdaining and not judging (laughs) i have a master's degree in education i know what these words mean i'm just trying to i'm trying to play devil's advocate i'm sure the majority of people don't know what the heck that means yeah i mean licentious (laughs) would be like the prodigal son right he's like i'm gonna go out and do whatever i want to do and uh, you're you're living a licentious lifestyle. You know, it's mm-hmm. not something that is we would describe as the holy a holy Christian life. Mm-hmm. Um, now, liberty is different than license. I have freedom in Christ to do or do or not do something and still honor God. But licentiousness means like there's sinful behavior going on. Mm-hmm. That that's the end of. <clears throat> chapter 13, right? Let us walk properly as in the day, not in licentious living, mm-hmm. orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, sensuality, and blah, 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 right? So that's an extreme of liberty uh, is to go licentious. With a more negative connotation with a more negative You're probably doing things you shouldn't do right, right, with right. your license to do it. Right, yeah. Like license to ill. Earlier on in Romans... You know, just because we have grace doesn't mean we have license to sin, right? Doesn't mean we can be live a licentious life because it's all about grace and just keep appealing to grace. It doesn't work that way. Um, but we have liberty in Christ to not be held down by the law mm-hmm. um, or by cultural practices. We can do or not do those things, and we're free to make those choices in these third-tier issues, right? Um, yeah, but, that was a word you use and I just thought <clears throat> could maybe I as you were uh you know preaching I was thought maybe that could use a little bit of definition but yeah um but yeah I think those two groups of people are in view um but another question I was thinking we might clarify for the sake of this discussion is to determine like what are the three tiers which you did in your sermon mm. I mean essentially if we would summarize it's like tier 1 are issues you must agree on to be a Christian. Yeah. Right? There's there's actually a blog, and I, I bet you you read it already because it's from your, your boy, Dr. Albert Moeller, <laughs> and uh, you listen to him a lot as well, <clears throat> Cody. I do. But he has a – he calls it a call for theological triage mm-hmm. and Christian mm. maturity. Triage is yeah. more of a medical term, right? Like a crisis happens – and you have to go in and sort of assess 
you know, whereas this person and this person and this person in the degree of like, they're going to die. Uh, they're probably just going to lose an arm or, or these people are fine. They just have a cut. Yeah. Right? I like, that. like That's a cool way to think about it as you're diagnosing spiritual you, health. Exactly. Like these people are bleeding <clears throat> out in front of me. And if I remember right, it depends on how like the, the person who's overseeing the triage in a medical way. But oftentimes the person who's like going to bleed out and like for sure they're going to die, like they just basically give them morphine and then move on. Yep. Like they're, they're going to die. Like you just, you just move on. The person who has like a pretty bad wound, like they're usually the ones they go after because um, they know they can save them. It's really just about saving life. And if they triage that person and find out there, there's no way to save them. But in a triage sense here, things that you that ultimately lead to spiritual death would be first tier issues. Uh, things that's like, whoa, that's a pretty bad wound. You know, we probably need to work on that. That would be a second tier issue. And then there's, you know, little cuts here and there um, as sort of a, a way to use that as a metaphor. But anyway, he says there's triage, right? And he talks about first tier issues, which are things that I uh, brought up um, in regard to essentials of the Christian faith, like the doctrine of the Trinity um, and justification by faith alone in Christ alone. Like we're not pluralistic. Um, I mean, I, I would even say to some degree the perspectives on hell and heaven. Um, if someone believes in annihilation, you know, that's that's a first tier issue in, in <clears throat> my understanding mm. of that those doctrines. Um, but second tier issues would be things like like he mentions here, meaning and mode of baptism. So there's a difference between a Baptist and a Presbyterian on that. Like they'll a Presbyterian will baptize an infant, though different than a Lutheran, they're not saying that that baptism saves that child or is necessary for salvation. It's also different than a Catholic view of infant baptism where they believe it washes away original sin mm -hmm. and makes possible the road for salvation to come to them. Um, and uh, so anyway, those are some things, plus Christian leadership and things like that. More recently, there's been conversations around men and women in pastoral roles in the church that would, the difference between egalitarianism and complementarianism that would be a second tier issue um cuz that's a leadership issue and churches divide over those things they don't have to but oftentimes they do and then the third tier mm -hmm. issues are like the liberty issues we're talking about should a christian uh drink alcohol um i mean there there was it, during the election cycle, you'll see this where people will draw hard lines where Christians will say, there's no way you could be a Democrat and, and be a Christian. And then you hear it on the other side, right? Like there's no way you could be a Christian and vote for Donald Trump, mm -hmm. right? Like, but, but you can, you can be both of those things, right? It's just sort of hard lines on both sides. Or and either. Yet, <clears throat> Like a Christian could be a Democrat, a Christian could be a Republican. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was funny in your sermon though. You said, you you were talking about this, but you said like you could be a Republican or Democrat. You could be both, and it was like, wait, can you be? Both? Okay. It's sort of different. <laughs> the way I said the it, way yeah, you said it was, it was all, yeah, the funny. way I said it, yeah. <clears throat> but your there, point there is there could well, be both in in your church. In your yeah. church, yeah, 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 yeah. So then, what are some of those third tier? You brought up a few. Obviously, alcohol being alcohol use was one of the ones you brought up and talked about a little bit. Um, diet obviously is in view here. The days you worship. I think even as these Jewish 
you know, young Christians, but have been Jews their entire life, changing their day of worship from the Sabbath of mm, Saturday yep, to huge. worship on the first day, which we see happens in the book of Acts and why the church has traditionally worshiped on Sunday instead mm-hmm, of Saturday. Mm-hmm. That's a huge, like, monumental shift. Yeah, that would have been massive. That they're making, you know what I mean? It's not so much for us, like... <laughs> like people just sort of assume who are not understanding of a lot of biblical realities that Sunday's just, that's the day everyone goes to church, right? That's normal. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who don't worship <clears throat> on Sunday, but I, I think to some degree, as I read the new Testament, it was almost obviously they did it because Christ rose, rose from the grave on the third day, right? Or on, on the first day of the week. So that's why they do it. I also think to some degree it was convenient to to distance themselves from Judaism or dis- make themselves distinct from Judaism. You guys worship on mm-hmm. on Saturday. Well, we are Christians who follow Jesus, who is Lord of the Sabbath, who rose again from the grave on Sunday, the first day of the week. So we're going to worship on that day, you know? So there was a little bit of, of a distinction. And yet at the same day, honoring the spirit of the Sabbath, which is taking a day of rest in order to worship and, uh, and mm-hmm. give yourself spiritually, you and your family, to um, the worship of God and to spiritual things and things like that and pursuing him. But, yeah, that, that definitely would have been a big issue. Um, I mean, another one is, like, like can you read Harry Potter books, right? Can you, can nope. you watch The Office it's of the devil. and still be a Christian? I'm just kidding. I don't watch that. Office. No, it's a good question. For sure. I think that's a good question because I don't like it. you said... <laughs> You said, oh, rated our movies, and I think I think there's one sense in which you cannot say, or you probably ought not to say, all rated our films. If you watch any rated our films, then you should question your salvation. Sure. Passion of the Christ. But on the other hand, <laughs> you could say, if you have no issue watching any type of movie, yeah, then maybe you should think about your... You know, so I was thinking as you mentioned that, and Harry Potter may be one of them, but anyways, that's a, maybe a different topic. Right. But I'm just thinking about rated R movies that contain things that are clearly sinful, celebrating sinful activities, yep. you know, with all kinds of things that that we ought not to do. I think of Psalm 101, 3, right? I, you know, determined not to put before my eyes anything that will defile me. Right, <clears throat> right, right. Yeah. And uh, there's many other verses we could look at with regard to the kinds of things that we're consuming from media. So in one sense, yes, the fact that you watch or don't watch right at our movie does not determine your conversion, your salvation. But at the same time, if you have a habit of watching pornographic material, okay, we, we, there's something to talk about there. Right. Help us understand that. Yeah. Well, like he said, like the the verse you just quoted there out of Psalms, but that's where the context coming off of chapter 13, make no provision for the flesh. Right. And so, man, I'm not even going to go anywhere near uh, even a billboard or whatever. It's like if that's the case, you can't even drive. You can't even leave your house. You know, you're just isolated. Um, one one of the things, though, that I didn't get to talk about a lot on this that I think really is a driving factor in the theme. And you were just mentioning it there, Rob is like our conscience. So our conscience is a, is a really interesting thing because it's this God given, uh, compass inside of us that leads us in the right direction. Right? Like we, we obviously, we think of, uh, Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket, right? We've got 
Jiminy Cricket over there helping Pinocchio understand what is the right thing to do in this situation and what is the wrong thing to do. It sort of personifies the conscience. And, and that conscience is that tug inside of us that helps us to morally discern what is right and wrong. And, and Paul talks about this earlier on in Romans, um, where you, you sort of know the right thing from your conscience. You judge others. You don't even have the law of God, but yet you understand moral truth. And that alone, you but you don't even live up to your own moral standards, and so you're guilty, you know, before God because of that. But God gave us this conscience inside of us. But I think it's important for us to remember that the conscience is not the same as the Word of God, right? Mm-hmm. Just because we conceptualize morally moral truth doesn't mean our conscience creates <clears throat> or perfectly discerns <clears throat> absolute moral truth, right? And now if you could do that in your conscience, then you could create black and white out of gray. But we can't do that because our conscience, that's not what it was designed to do. Um, or at the same time, it's corrupted. It's, it is corrupted, yeah. I mean, originally, perhaps the conscience was able. For sure. But of course, when Adam and Eve were in a situation yeah. and there was yeah. only one thing. Anyways, ours is corrupted. We can't. Exactly. Yeah, the, the compass idea is like the conscience is you know when you have a perfectly functioning compass you know north but our compass is off the magnetic pull is off a little bit on our conscience and so out uh, apart from the spirit of god living inside of us a part of the church and the accountability of a transformed community and apart from the truths and doctrines of scripture our conscience is a broken compass and it will always lead us in the wrong direction. And, you know, to the point where the extreme is you call good evil and evil good, right? Like we're, we go our own way. And so the conscience needs to be cultivated from scripture. And the more that we read the scriptures, the more our conscience is recalibrated back to the truth. It's it's like when we tune our guitars, right? Like our guitar strings are always going out because you play them, you use them, they're in the world, and then you need to come back to the tuner, right? <laughs> they're they in need, the world. They're you just, in the, you need awesome. to come back to the tuner. <laughs> yeah. And retune again, retune again. And that's what we do when we take communion every week. That's They're what dirty we do when we, from the oils exactly. on your fingers. Yeah. We could stretch it. We I can know. stretch this metaphor out. <laughs> That'll preach. Or not only recalibrating the conscience, but you can sear the conscience. And that's what you were talking about with these movies, right? So a Christian cannot be presumptuous in thinking I can go watch a rated R movie and it has no effect on my conscience, right? The mm. more that you allow into your life and it could be very 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 small quantities of it but at some point the conscience becomes seared and you don't feel the morality the problems of the moral decision that that you should right and this is you see this in kids right kids kind of know early on when they've messed up but as they get older they don't really care as much anymore because they've seared the conscience Mm. from accepting what is you know, morally good or, or morally wrong. And, and th- that's something for us as Christians to be careful of. It's not just about uh, pursuing the right things. It's also understanding if we expose our th- ourselves to the wrong things, we're going to sear that conscience and then give ourselves in a little bit more. I, I mean, it would be like looking at photos of, of the opposite sex, right? 
Well, then that that turns into having conversations with the opposite sex and then objectifying that. And then it moves on. It's like I read this book recently on preventing ministry failure. The the tagline was great leaders are made or something like, or great leaders don't just happen. And great leadership fails also don't just happen, right? Mm. They they happen with a slow erosion of a polluted conscience that that happens over time. And and mm. so anyway, in this situation, That's a good point. you've got two you've got one group and their their conscience has not been strengthened by the word of God, by the transformed community, because they're new. They're weak, weak Christians. And so they need strong Christians to help them cultivate a godly, disciplined conscience in Christ, in the gospel, and supported in that, knowing they're going to make mistakes and they're, they're going to screw up. But you know what? So we're, we're all going to. And I, I made the illustration at the end, one of the services about just because you're a new Christian and we're an older Christian, it doesn't make any difference. We're, we're all still struggling um, but it's like advance advancing on the football field, right? Like I mean, I may be further down the field than you are, but I'm still fighting for one more yard. Just like you're still fighting for one more yard. You know, yeah. we're, we're all still fighting for another yard, you know? <clears throat> and sometimes when you get closer to the end zone, that one more yard is a lot harder a lot to harder, do yeah. <laughs> than, than those first 10 yards, you know? Yep. Um, you know, when you're a new Christian, you know, it's like, okay, cool. I'll like not smoke pot anymore. And, you know, I'm not going to look at porn. I'm not going to go do these things anymore. Like, there's some things that are really easy, you know? And then you find out, like, whoa, the sin isn't just in what I'm doing. The sin is, like, in me. And I'm, I'm an angry person. I'm a prideful person. And, I mean, the, the further you go in, in there, it, well, it never stops, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, I think those, and those are important I mean, things to keep well, in you mind. say those, that's easy. They're easily understood as wrong. They're not necessarily easily, you know, given up. <clears throat> right yeah. those those bad you know sinful activities that defined our lives before becoming Christians Todd Miles in his talk this past weekend in our uh, in the conference we went to gave a good illustration of sanctification when he was talking about the yo-yo and he says oftentimes it feels like our lives are kind of has big highs and lows was that Todd or Mike McKinley I think it was Todd right he wasn't there. I think that was Mike. Yeah. And he was <laughs> No, 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 that was Todd. It doesn't matter. We don't need to one of one it. of the speakers, but I'm pretty sure it was anyways. He was saying that we have spiritual highs and lows. <laughs> Thank you, Cody. Yeah, we're, we're yeah, I appreciate we're that. <laughs> we have these spiritual highs and lows where we're, you know, at some points, you know, fall be, being more righteous and and overcoming our sinful issues and other times where we fail. But he was showing how the picture of a Christian is like you know, not standing still with the yo-yo where our spiritual life is high at one point and low at others, but rather it's like we're sort of walking up the steps toward, you know, Christ as it were. And as we go up our, our highs, the elevation, the elevation as you, you know, ascend in that sense, even the lowest point we had before is now higher than our highest spiritual achievement before then. And it was like an interesting way of thinking about it. But the further we go, yeah, that's that's a reality in our lives. <clears throat> but yeah, it's hard. It's it, it's difficult to define exactly an issue like this, where it falls. You know, so my question is, if you had two people in our in your church and one says, I can do this and the other says you ought not to do that. How should they go about 
interacting with one another. I mean, obviously we know they should not despise the other or judge, yeah. right? Um, but how, what's a good way for someone, you know, to, to kind of interact? What are some principles we can put into place? Well, I think like, like, give me an example of something. That's, that's what's hard is I, I want to say, well, well, let's just, there use is masks. No let's just use masks. As a, okay. As an masks. Example. Cause that's not a hot button issue. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. Masks. Um, where's that fit tier wise? I know. I, I mean, it's, it's, cl it's close to number two, right? Cause you're like <coughs> submitting to government. Okay. And okay. there is clear instruction on what I was going to put like. it way further down. I was going to go like tier five or something, but, <laughs> but, but, but now that you say that, yeah, there's theological implications of yeah, your choices. Yeah. Right? The, the biblical statement that we just looked at, right. Submitting to governing authorities uh, at the same time, like there's always, there's the difference between guidelines and rules, Right laws imposed laws that are unethical right we don't have a a mandate to uh obey unethical laws and so you know there's nuance in all of these things you know yep. so and i would put masks in that situation right um because these third are tier in in the third tier yeah, yeah. like because they're like basically they're grabbing at anything they can to create a solution for like a, a virus going around right and hey, maybe it'll help, maybe it won't. And they're like, well, let's just give it a shot and make everybody, make everybody wear a mask. And, you know, as we found out, that doesn't always work maybe in the way that they thought it would work. I'm not saying it doesn't work on some level, but my, my point is enforcing masks or imposing masks on uh, gathered people, particularly Christians in worship and imposing that view on them or that, that practice on them. So like people came to our church, right? Who, or there were other churches who really struggled in this area because they had a large percentage of their congregation who were like, we all need to wear masks because a, the government's telling us to, and because B, we all don't want to get sick. And, and so those churches largely wore masks. Well, the people who came and didn't want to wear masks, well, they, they couldn't come anymore. And they felt like, wow, I don't, I don't fit in here because I don't, I don't want to wear a mask in church anymore. And all of a sudden you're saying, you know, to that person, and it depends on that person's reasonings, right? Why they don't want to wear masks and things like that. But that was a, unfortunately a reason why a lot of people left churches or why they joined mm -hmm. other churches. Um, we only had, I don't know, five people who were new, I would say to the church where they were coming to check us out during the last two years who came like masked up and, and we, you know, we encouraged people to wear masks. We provided masks and hand sanitizer and we went online. We did a lot of options for people who were more COVID sensitive and things like that. You could, you could have sat in the balcony. There's a lot of things that someone could have done. You could have come wearing masks, but I'm not going to make someone wear a mask or, or tell everybody, don't wear masks because that's mm -hmm. not who we are. You know, like I'm not going to do either one of those things. I left it up to adult people to make decisions for themselves. And I expected them as Christians <clears> to <throat> treat one another as mature adult people who are making those decisions for themselves and have a reason for it, but to not judge the other person for choosing to do something different. Right. Right. But if someone who was new, who came and said, I'm not coming in there unless everybody puts a mask on, I, I or someone that was delegated was say, there's a church down the street 
that you can go to that everybody's wearing a mask in. But I'm not going to tell everybody to wear a mask here because in that moment, it's not the issue isn't the mask anymore. Now the issue is this person feeling like they can tell an entire group of people what they can or cannot do. Yeah. And I I should be able to say what everyone around me has to do to make me feel comfortable. Yes. Yes. Like there was a guy during the, during it all, he started, him and his wife started coming and they had kids, um, maybe over the summer or, or sometime last spring. And they were really excited that we weren't making everybody wear masks. And so they started coming. Um, but they didn't want them to put their kids in the kids ministry. Um, because they didn't believe in kids ministries. And so they had, they had opinions about churches that do kids ministries. Did you walk them down there and show like, so I I had a conversation with him about it. It's right here. It exists. It's real. But I had a conversation (laughs) with him about it. Like what's your philosophy is why you don't like kids ministries. And he explained it and I thought it was ridiculous. And, (laughs) and I, that's not very charitable. (laughs) Pastor. (laughs) I would no. I I was charitable. I listened to his opinion. <laughs> okay, and you and just I disagreed like, with it. Ridiculous. Yeah, I, I disagreed it. with it. But you know why? But so good Christians can disagree about this. Exactly. Oh, for sure, right. for sure. And but it's a second tier. It's then a, it, at that point because it's like, well, if you have dude, such a that's conviction, a, that's a third tier issue. That's preference. But if someone find me in the Bible where you can or cannot do sure. a kids ministry, well. Well, no. Well, I'm saying it's second tier in that they they refuse to fellowship. Like they have a conviction. They are making a third tier issue a second tier issue. See, that's another question I have. What is if someone a... said, yeah, if someone were to say, well, and I'm derailing you a little bit, so maybe we can no, do you're this not. next. No, but, you're right on. You're right on track. Well, I'm just saying, like, there are folks that I knew, and I'm sure everyone has, you know, knows people like this that would say, like, women should never wear pants. Like dresses are required, and right, then you're right, saying, right. "Well, okay, so now obviously that's a legalistic stance." There's for sure nothing you can point to in scripture that would require, you know what I mean? Right. So, what do you do with that person? Is that person <clears throat> like, oh, are they um, Christians? Can we say they're Christians? Can we not say they're Christians? Can we say they're Christians with, uh, you know, bad As theology? Long, are, are they saying you're not a Christian if you go to church and you wear pants and not a skirt only for a woman? Yeah, they may. Oh, if that if that's the case, then they're not they're not Christian anymore. If because they're they're like legalistic Judaizers, <laughs> right? They're imposing they're doing things Galatians on top of the gospel. Or, yeah, yeah, Galatians. But if they're saying that as a matter of like you're just not a really good Christian, you know, you're carnal Christian or something like that. Or right, if right, you right. understood the Bible correctly, yeah. you would do this practice. Right, you're right. not in danger of losing your salvation, but this right. is the right thing to do. And we we need to get to a a question that. Uh, Hannah Simon asked about head coverings in connected to your uh, I have a lot I have question. a lot of thoughts that you don't Yeah, want. you do. <laughs> but um in in that section when you read it, right? What what chapter is that? 1 Corinthians 14, is it? Yeah. Um, <coughs> Wait, let me double check. And but but he basically Paul is describing how women ought to wear head coverings, men ought to not cover their heads, and he gives all of these reasons why, you know, the the male is you know, bearing the image of God or uh, on all of these things. Right. And he's the head and blah, blah, blah. But then he gets to the very end and he said, but you know what, if anyone wants to be divisive about these issues, we nor any church of God has such a practice. Yeah. And, and I think that that's so funny. Cause it's like, why would you just spend chap or basically a whole chapter then describing the, these two things and coming up with a theological reason. And to some degree, I, I, I use that as an example of, 
this is how you should think through third tier issues. Yeah. Like you should have a gospel argument and a biblical argument for your third tier position. And yet at the same time, at the end of the day, hold it with an open hand. Mm-hmm. You know what? If you guys want to be divided over this thing, if you want to argue about <clears> it, <throat> the, the bigger issue is our unity together. Yep. And so, you know what? We have no more practice. It doesn't matter anymore. If you want to wear a head covering, wear one. If you don't, don't you don't have to. If you mm-hmm. want to wear pants to church, wear please wear clothes to church. <laughs> the, the, that's just more common decency, right? That's chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. Yeah. I mean, but I think to your original question is like, how do you go about that? I think like, I don't sit down to a cup of coffee or something, you know, yeah. like start a conversation, right? About you, about which part? About any of the issues, right? Like step one would be like, talk to the other person about it. Here, Here's what I think, why I think it, why do you think the opposite or whatever, you know? Yeah, having great conversations with people. And I think that that is uh, also an important thing. There, there's a phrase in essentials, unity in non-essentials, liberty in all things, charity. I'm sure right. you guys have heard that before. Of course, that's only bringing up two issues, right? Like in essentials, unity, non-essentials, liberty, right? First tier issues, third tier issues. They're kind of ignoring the second tier issues. Regardless, in all of these things, we should show charity toward each other. Um, Now, charity meaning love. Uh, now we can, we can be loving to the person who doesn't believe in Jesus, but we're not going to say they belong, right? Because they don't believe the same things that we believe. We can welcome them, Mm -hmm. but we're not going to say they're members of the church. Now we're not going to give them a leadership role. You know, we're not going to, yeah, bring them into membership or anything like that. Like you would need the essentials, faith in the essentials in order to call someone a brother or a sister. My point with this guy though, um, the, like he was always nitpicking everything we were doing. Mm-hmm. He was happy the fact that we weren't wearing masks, but it was just his personality. He he always felt like he like he would question everything. He's like, how come you do communion the way that you do it? And I think, I think it was really how come you do communion wrong. I think was, it was it was something. <laughs> it was like, like that. why yeah. do you do it wrong? He was like, why why? Are, and I felt like that. And I I knew the question was coming from from him for sure because he was he was uh, he thought he was smarter than he really was. And I'm I'm not I'm not trying to be mean like this. Just some people are that way. Yeah, I agree. right. They yeah, some they will do. They read a blog one time, and they thought I know everything about everything now, and and I just like, but I didn't feel like he was being charitable to us because he was at why you know theologically why are you doing communion the way you're doing it you know and I'm like. Dude, honestly, bro, it's not about theology right now. We're just getting out of a pandemic, dude. <laughs> like, we're just thankful that we're gathering and that we're, like, honoring the Lord through communion somehow, some way. But, like, yeah, we're not going to have a loaf that everybody's going to break off and dip it in the cup like your, like, particular theological tradition. You think that's the best way to do communion or whatever, you know? Yeah. It was like, it has to look this way or else it's not honoring to God. It's like, no, it's more like we're just trying to get through a really hard season where people are worried about getting sick. And many of them are just thankful to be here. And, uh, it's not the ideal, but this is the real. And, and we're pushing toward the ideal knowing we'll never really get there this side of heaven. But you know, I just felt like he wasn't living in the real world. He was, he was pushing toward idealistic things and idealistic people are cool to have around. They probably shouldn't be leading anything. Yeah, because well, and that's like they're frustrating. That's the the difference too, right? As you come, you know, 
you could come in and if someone the way he did it versus coming in being like hey can i can we grab a cup of coffee aaron and then going hey i thought the only biblically correct way to take communion was like this but it seems like you guys have a different way like how did you you know how did you get to that idea and right. like that then the whole conversation is completely different you know yeah like now if i would have said like <clears throat> oh no we we believe that everyone should take communion because that is the way that they ha- receive the grace of god in their lives and they can't receive it apart from that then then he should probably leave the church because we're a heretical church you know <laughs> but I'm like, no, we, we believe it as a, com- we, we had the same essentials and beliefs about communion. He just felt like we should do it differently. He was more like a family oriented p- person, like families together should be taking communion. And I don't know, he just had some strange views on the methods mm-hmm. of which we were doing it. And I'm like, dude, it's, we're just trying to get through this season right now, bro. You're thinking harder than you need to be thinking about this right now. Like it's, everything all of our ideals have kind of gone out the window you know like christians aren't even gathering right now dude we're doing church online come on now yeah like nothing is the way it ought to be or should be or we would like it to be right now you know what i mean yeah and there are groups of people like with issues like music you know you shouldn't have instruments you should have instruments those issues are more clear i think the whole rated r movie thing if someone says i feel like i i have the freedom to watch movies that include things like nudity and like pro- all kinds of crazy sinful yeah, activities. Yeah. That's a different thing. Yeah. You know, am I right? Like no, that's- I, 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 I think it's unwise, you know, to like, I mean, if someone wants to watch, I, I can't even think of an example, honestly, like of a really bad, like, uh, like Scarface, let's say that old, you know, I think it was an eighties movie, right? With yeah, Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I watched that movie a long time ago. I'd probably never watch it again. Uh, I mean, it's so worldly, you know, yeah. it's just like <clears throat> what, what edifying thing is in there that, that I'm going to find entertaining, you know, like as a Christian, am I really finding that entertaining anymore? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's. But again, I've already seen it, so I know what's in it, and I don't need to see it again. Um, but yeah, there may be a movie like I'm not gonna go and watch Fifty Shades of Grey because <laughs> I, you know, you know what it's yeah. about. You read the report, and you're like, it's basically just a horrific, you know, love story that's filled with nudity and raunchiness. You know, so I don't need to see that, and I don't need to read the book. But yet, <laughs> there's some Christians who did go to that stuff and mm-hmm. and they're into it. And I'm like, uh, but I'm not going to say they're not Christians. I, right. I'm just saying they're being, they might potent- be making a bad choice Yes, and they, maybe it's yeah. worth a conversation for sure with a good friend who knows <laughs> them well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause those things shape the way you think about love and romance and sexuality and attraction and, and all that stuff. And, and they do, like I was saying, they sear the conscience mm-hmm. um, into an unhealthy direction. But I would also say there are some things that can be redeemed. Mm-hmm. Now, like Harry Potter, right, as an example. <laughs> I love Harry Potter. Of course okay? you think it can be redeemed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm teasing my mom, but I know, she does, I know she doesn't listen to the podcast, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> but my mom, like I had the Harry Potter movies when like – Years ago, I bought them. I don't know. I was I was still living at home, and I came home from school one day or something, and I had bought one behind her back, 
and <laughs> I had it in my room, and my mom, I don't know, somehow she, like, saw the Harry Potter movie in my room. She smelled it in there? I don't know, dude. She probably went through my stuff. And uh, and she, next day, I'm, like, it's on the porch. I come home from school today. It's literally on the porch. And I'm, I come in, that Mom, why is it? She's like, I don't want that stuff in my house. <laughs> and I'm like, geez, it's not like bringing like like the object itself is bringing you know uh demonic activity in your home yeah it's it was like anyway that that was a whole other thing um for me like now i'm like a mature christian you know like i watch the harry potter movies and there's a lot of wonderful like themes that i can pull out of there like redemption or even Harry Potter as this one who is supposed to save, and then love how it conquers over evil and all of this stuff. I feel like I've had I've I've let my kids watch the Harry Potter movies. They love them, and and I've actually used them as a picture of the Christian gospel. And it, it's kind of like this, you know. You know how Harry Potter was. There was something unique and special about him, and there was this evil over here. Anyway, you can. I think if you're conscience and your biblical understanding uh grows you can actually use culture and things like that out there and see not the evil in it but the redeeming qualities in it and how even non-christians are testifying to uh the truthfulness about god and use those as cultural leverage to bring the gospel in and and that's just being charitable and and then redeeming things that can be redeemed and i think we should do those things um, and, but then again, there's just some things that are just like wicked and wrong and mm-hmm. we can't redeem any of that. Um, but yeah, you know what? We've gone through this whole podcast and not really talking about, uh, talked about alcohol at all. And I'm uh, totally okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so I, I think it would go probably a lot like, uh, your <clears throat> R rated movie discussion, right? Like there's like some R rated movies. I mean, I, I made the joke earlier, but, like, The Passion of the Christ is R-rated. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, obviously not every R-rated movie applies. Right. You know? And there's, <clears throat> like, you know, some alcohol consumption that you could do responsibly. There's some that's, like, why? well, why are you doing just, like, straight shots of right. absinthe or whatever? Like, it's, like, you're not using moderation of yeah. any kind. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, more, I mean, there's, like, yeah. More recently has been the smoking weed. Mm. And, it, you know, is that something a Christian can do? Where's the line of Where, moderation? And yeah. is it even possible to exercise moderation? Exactly. It, and I would say we've already had a podcast on this, so yep. I'm not going to belabor it. But, yeah, that's another conversation that is not the same as alcohol. Yeah. Um, there are some cro- there's some crossover things, but it, it, it is categorically different. Um, than uh, yeah. than the alcohol discussion, but we are getting super long. But I was thinking you mentioned it earlier. You mentioned evolution, right? So yeah, where yeah. do you go? There's people who read it and go, "This is literally six days yeah. happening right here," or these six days could mean longer periods of time, or this is just full on poetry that yeah, doesn't need yeah. to be taken scientifically in any way. It's t- telling us a truth, but it's not telling us how that truth took place. And then where do those Christians that disagree? And I think again, it's like sit down and have a conversation for sure. <laughs> like just talk to each other. I, th- and I don't think... like get in a fight and don't you know throw your coffee in their face and stomp <laughs> out of the shop. <laughs> you know, if, if someone like you know claims to be a the- theistic evolution person, but also a Christian, right? They they believe in the God of Scripture, but they also believe in evolution, and and not just 
micro but like macro evolution right and old earth and all this other stuff I, I mean there are some really great solid christians who hold to that view yeah um there's some who don't really know why they hold to that view you know but i would say that if they believe in evolution and that god used the evolutionary process i would say they they for sure have to at least believe in a historical adam Hmm. because that's the argument in Romans is that they, like Adam said, just as in, or Paul said that just as in Christ, and he's a historical figure, we are in Adam also. Mm -hmm. He So he must be a historical mm -hmm. figure. So the way the Bible interprets Adam is he's a historical figure and children came from him and children came from his children, right? So you have to believe in a historical Adam. You can't believe in a poetic album, uh, Adam. Yeah. Um, in order to be a Christian, but I would, so yeah, I would say the evolutionary concept could very much be a third tier issue, but it's probably more falling into the second tier issue. Um, but yeah, we need to go. These guys got to pick up their kids, dude. We well, should I actually, I actually don't parents. need to get my kids. M Michelle's going to get them today. So <laughs> We Do we have Bible trivia? Going, okay, well, I'm Bible trivia. No, <laughs> who's the volunteer of the week? We got one, two minutes. <laughs> volunteer. We won't use the. We won't use the sting, so it okay. goes faster. Okay. The Bible volunteer of the week is Eric Peterson. Eric Peterson. Oh. Eric volunteers with our student ministries, um, and he was with us on the retreat. He led a crew building a, a fence for the camp. Uh, he serves uh, also in places outside the church. He he is a part of the Gideons. He's been a part of. Uh, prison ministries when those were available and and will be again when they're allowed to go back in there i'm sure uh so he is our volunteer of the week you worked Dope. really hard this weekend and made lots of good connections with kids mm -hmm. your bible trivia mm. for this week it's looking ahead in romans so i don't know how far you studied well, not, okay. very, not very far but paul the author of romans he told the roman church that he would visit them on his way to preach the gospel where? Oh, that's the gosh, trivia. That's not fair. Um, it's in the next chapter, so I picked one that you hadn't just been true. studying. I know. Oh my goodness! I want to say like Lystra or something like that. I don't know why. Yeah, Lystra. it's some something like in you know Greece. You got me, bro. I'm, I'm got if you. If anything, it would just be a guess. You I know? thought I this was no kind. Of, what's your guess? Um, I thought this was kind of a funny one. It's not one you traditionally think of like, oh, you know, the biblical region of... Asia. No, it was Spain. 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 So oh, gosh. I feel like that's so random. It doesn't sound like a biblical region, really, but yeah. that's where he was going, dude. He's getting the tapas. <laughs> <laughs> did he awesome. make it, though? Or did he get... Was that... I gotta look at his actual... I don't know. That's I don't a good remember. question. Did or did he, he end up getting arrested and all that happened? I don't remember. I know. I don't think he ever made it to Rome, though. Yeah, he did. At the very end of Acts, that's what it is. Hmm. But he's imprisoned, and that's kind of where exactly. Acts ends. Yeah, but anyways, we got to go. All right, go pick up your kids. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this On Sunday episode of the Canby Christian Church Podcast. For more information about Canby Christian Church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.